Hi. So, hey. Yes. Happy to hear your voice. Happy to hear you too. It's been a couple of days, but now it seems like part of our routine to do these things. So it feels it feels good to be here. It's very centering routine as well, as much as of all the work that we need to do. And let's be totally honest that uh, last time it was very hard to do uh, Ukrainian spaces because we exited a very dark weekend and it was very hard to concentrate, to talk, to form your even thoughts and into sentences. But we powered through this, and unfortunately, what is coming ahead is going to be even more darker as we face uh, probably a hundred of butchers in eastern Ukraine in coming weeks. But one thing that we've learned over these weeks that the only response that works to terrorism is just to power through this and double down on the work that we've been doing in, before, right? I think Absolutely. this is the only approach. Um, and, oh, God, God, the Russian troll farm is back as well. I got so much feedback from them in the last three year, three days. And as I see, a lot of other Ukrainians are doing the same, including death threats, including harassment. Um, yeah, so this is something, be mindful, folks, as well. Uh, try to report as much as possible. Uh, the only question that I have at this point is not why Russian troll farms are back harassing us, but what in the hell big tech platforms have been doing all these years, because this is not the first time we're facing, but every time as if, you know, things just zero in and start anew. Um, 100%. Even platforms that were a little bit better, like Instagram, and were a little bit more safe in terms of the sort of the way that we've been getting feedback well feedback is a strong word but anyway even those platforms are getting getting a lot of these as you said troll farms back in action so more needs to be done for sure for us to be expressing ourselves in a safe way yeah um for everyone else uh first uh, ukrainian spaces if you're first time here um, this is uh, the reason why we created with Valeria some weeks ago. Um, we see millions of Ukrainians with perfect English sharing their stories across all social media platforms. Yet, uh, 42 days into genocides, the conversations about Ukraine are still dominated by uh, mostly Western, mostly white, mostly male folks. And not only it continuously robs Ukrainians of their agency, it also perpetuates outdated, misleading and false narratives about Ukraine and Ukrainians. And we want to foster a relaxed, safe and chill space for Ukrainian voices to express themselves without the need of fitting Western boxes and the rest can use the space to educate themselves and to maybe decolonize your views of Ukrainians. But I see that Alina is already uh, with us as a co-host. Alina, are you here with us? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Right. Thank you for joining. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure. Alina, uh, we have a very ground basic rule for every featured Ukrainian. We don't introduce them. We let them to introduce them themselves the way they want um to uh share whatever they want about who they are what they do so please go ahead you know teach us how to spell your name right what do you do and uh, uh what kind of work you're doing these days as well uh i mean uh my name is alina and uh i mean uh i am a ukrainian youtuber and uh you know, probably, perhaps, I hope, one day a published author, uh, whenever yeah. the concept of publishing and books comes back from war. And also, uh, you know, I'm a film critic, and uh, yeah. generally speaking, I am a very unemployed person, but like with, with, <laughs> <laughs> with stuff to do. But uh, I also kind of, I mean, uh, I also love what you do online in terms of, especially these days, because, you know, so many uh, Ukrainians are activated and try to do their best in terms of 
not only probably uh, educating everyone else about Ukraine, but also figuring out our own shit in terms of who we are, what uh, what we do. Um, can you tell me in terms of what does it mean for you to be a Ukrainian? And I know it might be a bit a strange question these days, but we ask everyone uh, because this is kind of a process that a lot of us are now um, uh, are going through. You know, it's it's changing. And for many Ukrainians, uh, it's changing as well. So have you have you thought recently about what it does it mean for you to be a Ukrainian these days? Uh, that's that's a fun question. So uh, for me, being a, a Ukrainian, it's like the only scene I've ever been, really. Uh, the main scene I've ever been. And um, I mean, obviously, the recent and uh, to some extent not so recent uh, events uh, have made me like uh, consider this question a little bit, you know, to ponder about uh, it a little, because mm-hmm. uh, the thing is, is that technically, technically, like I am probably one of those people that uh, the Russian propaganda uh, claims to be protecting, because uh, you know my father is Russian, and mm-hmm. but I've never, but I like the interesting thing is that I've never ever considered myself Russian, not like for one percent, like for five percent. I will consider myself only Ukrainian. So it's uh, it's like an interesting conundrum mm. now <laughs> for me to kind of like and oh. me also being uh, a Ukrainian is uh, well it's for me being a Ukrainian is like being uh, a guardian at the gate of uh, like at the gate of Europe I mean it's mm-hmm. not like but not in like a weird like uh, yeah we are like real westerners and russians are like i don't know not really like white people over there not, not in a weird way okay uh, in a way that you know ukraine is a place where where something is always happening you know some shit is going down one way or another and uh, being ukrainian is always fun it always has been fun and uh, sometimes not in a fun way but always in a way that ends up in a history book yeah, because we, we talked with uh, some other guests, like, for example, I'm Ukrainian, but I'm not ethnically Ukrainian. You know, my family's, you know, Georgian and Roma and Russian, and my first language was uh, Russian, Ukrainian. And I, for me, Ukraine has always been something about uh, a choice of values rather than uh, ethnicity or language or geography. And, um, you know, I know so many other people who could, uh, who are, I would consider honorary Ukrainians because they care about Ukraine, they work for Ukraine, but they've been born to other places. And this is just a set of values for them. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ukrainian, what is also very interesting and wonderful about Ukraine, about like this lens, uh, of ours is that it has always been a very diverse place and it has always been a place where various cultures intervened various cultures met and various cultures coexisted sometimes you know uh, not always uh, you know by the free will of those cultures like uh, you know the infamous circle of of unsettlement or whatever it's called like uh, in the russian empire when uh, the Russian Empire only allowed, for example, uh, Jews to live in certain areas of the empire, mm. and uh, like a large part of the of those uh, allowed territories, uh, they were in modern Ukraine, uh, yeah. and it it kind of like a place that also kind of uh, like it's really it's really about values because. Again, uh, you know, if we, I've already mentioned my dad, who is Russian, but he seamlessly kind of uh, integrated himself into my mom's family to the point that he's like undeniably Ukrainian and speaks perfect Ukrainian. And, you know, the P word, and I mean, like, you know, the, the terrible. Uh, <laughs> 
she bless Polonita. He can he can say it perfectly. Uh, yeah, because Ukraine has always been kind of like once again we have we have always been like this kind of like Kate of Europe where certain uh, like various people uh, kind of mix and uh, and match and uh not always agree with each other and sometimes fight but uh it, it means that it's it's it it brings us like this very wonderful variety of cultures and like linguistic variety and like kind of all kind of yeah. things absolutely we had uh we had uh, uh kind of a, a debate uh with one of our guests like um that the the, the the popular misconception that because Russia, for example, is such such a big country, the amount of ethnicities and you know nations that live inside Russia is much bigger than Ukraine. And turns out, and I had to fact check this and verify, turns out Ukraine has more ethnicities living in Ukraine than in the whole entire Russia. I wanted before I actually, you know, uh, ask more about your work, which I love. I wanted to also double check how's your family uh, doing. I mean, feel free to share whatever information you feel comfortable, but at least are they safe? Um, are you safe? Um, so, you know, if if you feel comfortable sharing this kind of information. Uh, no worries. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable. So my parents, my parents spent, uh, you know, three weeks under the Russian occupation. And they're still a bit traumatized about that. Uh, they, uh, when the war started, they went to uh, to my mom's hometown uh, near Trostanets, and mm-hmm. you know, so so you can guess how how that, how well that turned out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, they they spent you know some not so great time under the occupation without without power, without cell connection. Uh, without gas or heating uh but they managed to they managed to break out and sometime later uh luckily you know the whole like region the the southern uh sumer region yeah it was liberated uh so and after that my family spent some time uh near lviv and now mm-hmm. my parents are back in sumer Okay. And my elder sister and her kid uh, are still uh, in the West. As for me, you know, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm back in my Kiev apartment and I'm very mm. glad. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, traveled a bit, <laughs> but now I'm back home. We'll that's, see you. That's lovely to, to hear because I know that mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are coming back um as well at least to kiev or at least uh, those who left uh, who left uh, abroad and this is understandable because unlike many other refugee waves um a lot of families were separated and uh, you know and this is not something ukrainians are generally in very comfortable doing just running uh, away so yeah i'm happy to hear that uh, this is at least for your family is um as a bit better than it was. I love your work because, like, um, when uh, we were inviting you, I also remember this post from um, another Ukrainian on um, uh, Twitter. I follow, follow Sergei Mohov, and he writes, you know, it's basically uh, yesterday that he says Westerners commenting the noticed surge of Ukrainians speaking English and find it strange. These are people switching to your language to bring you truthful information about the worst thing that ever happened to them because you've been fed Russian bias crap for decades. Some of us are more fluent in English than others. Some of us have had popular Ukrainian language YouTube channels, Twitter, Instagram accounts for a very long time. But now you, our Western audience, decide if you'll help our country and our people survive. So we write for you. Ukrainians know their history better than you do. Ukrainians and other Eastern Europeans also know Russia and Russians better than you ever will. U.S. and EU academia and punditry have been polluted with Russian propaganda since 60s. Um, Soviets were largely successful in punishing, in pushing their narratives and their version of history onto you. 
hiding every trace of Ukrainian, Georgian, and other national identities from Western audiences. They vilified our national heroes, ridiculed our languages, killed our artists, and so on. So I wanted to ask you, how's your, how's the war and genocide affecting what you are putting out there um, on YouTube and uh, what's been the kind of feedback so far? Um, has it changed? Uh, I haven't actually posted anything since uh, the war began. At the moment, I am... Uh... I've been kind of considering uh, like making a series of video on like how did we end up here, you know, uh, film, you know, cinema-wise, film-wise, culturally-wise. And but then uh, once again, I'm looking at my channel, and that's that's like the whole subject of my channel, really. <laughs> uh, even yeah. you know, if we take um, uh, what was it called? Uh, that insane uh that insane opid uh like about uh, the ukrainianizing ukrainians and like killing ukrainians oh yeah the the one that uh russians posted about uh yeah, yeah. Cleans cleansing <laughs> ukraine of ukraine yeah 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 uh Ria was it yes yeah uh, yeah so uh it was actually written uh by uh by a russian script writer who uh, wrote a movie I reviewed uh, several oh. months ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I, I read the article and I was like, hey, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I'll check who the, who the author is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, see that. <laughs> so they're, so well. they're literally coming up with things on the go as the time goes. Creative writing or, or whatever you can call it. But I hope you gave him, like, not a very good review, right? <laughs> no, no, like, the movie was horrible. And it was uh, the interesting thing that, that it was uh, deliberately filmed, kind of, like, because uh, it was released in 2012 uh, when Ukraine hosted, uh, like, the European football competition, something. I, I'm not good at sports. Uh, yeah, and it was about this urban legend, Kyiv urban legend, uh, mm. about uh, a, food, a Kyiv-based football team uh, that won, won against the Nazi team, and they all got shot, which is, like, not true, not what happened. <laughs> but the urban legend persists, and the movie is kind of like, you know, it it suggests that the, like, the legend is obviously true, but it also it's also very like anti-Ukrainian and like uh, pushes this narrative that all Ukrainians are Nazis. Excuse me, and you know the only good Ukrainians are the ones that uh, abandon their identity uh, in view of uh, the great you know Soviet identity, the generalized Soviet identity, yeah. and uh, yeah, and you know I'm I'm not one bit surprised that. Uh, the script writer of that movie now came up with this. <laughs> like, yeah. So for everyone who has joined us uh, and who still is sometimes doubting where this hatred uh, for years that has been cultivated has come from, uh, it includes movies, it includes art, it includes literature, it includes so many different things. Um, it's not a new phenomenon. It's been happening for quite some time. And I'm really glad to have Alina as well here talk about, you know, connecting all the dots for those who may not know Ukraine as well. But I also, um, we did it, Mariam, we finally connected microphone and I'm um, excited to see you here as well. Um, we spoke about this earlier with Maxim. Um, I actually saw uh, a lot of the work that, that you've been doing on Instagram and it's been so 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 important everything from you know debunking russian imperialism and why why it needs ukraine and talking about culture and all other things so uh, we just wanted to ask you as well uh, mariam if you could introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about um what being ukrainian means to you okay um hi everyone and um uh, thank you for having me I'm not a big fan of podcasts, but my friend is. So he told me if I'll say uh, thank you for having me, I will sound more like a pro. So here I am. And also it was a little bit complicated to also understand how does it work. But yeah, anyways. Um, so what hey. I'm doing in, um, 
Who am I? Mm, I'm a bachelor of cultural studies and I'm currently working uh, in UX. So I'm a UX researcher, but yeah, in my free time, I'm do some public speaking about the culture, uh, popular culture mostly. Um, and about your question, well, oh my God, this is very complicated, but um, so for me, like the question, what does it mean for me to be Ukrainian? It's uh, very complicated because um, I always felt like imposter when I called myself Ukrainian um, and it's connected to my origin. My father, and my brother are from Afghanistan and then born in Afghanistan and they left the country in 1989 because of the war with USSR, and this might sound ironic. So for me, um, Ukraine always meant like home, also means home, like second home and second chance for other uh, part of my family. So, um, and also like to be Ukrainian for me means to accept my difference, accept my difference and to always be ready for battle. I guess something like that. Yeah, and we talked uh, with uh, Alina also uh, uh, just earlier that for so many Ukrainians, including, for example, myself, it's uh, Ukraine is mostly a set of values uh, rather than anything to do with anything, uh, language, ethnicity, or geography. And uh, I always find it so powerful um, when I uh, meet so many Ukrainians who, you know, born in Ukraine or not born in Ukraine, doesn't matter. They're Ukrainian to the core. And especially in the last 40 days, that has solidified uh, for so many of us, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess this is kind of interesting point that, um, for example, in Russia or in France, um, we can partly even talk about the um, uh, US um, image of um, like cultural code, if you can say it. Uh, so for example, in some countries, it was created uh, by government. For example, Russia is a very good example of that they actually build this propaganda for years. Um, they connected imperialism, uh, monarch imperialism with um, nostalgia for USSR. But mm -hmm. in, what is interesting about Ukraine is that we actually didn't have a very specific cultural code that was created by, for example, by government or someone. So we don't have very specific explanation. What is, uh, what does it mean to be Ukraine or what kind of set of rules or set of values? It's very vague feeling, but you know, it's very interesting. Like when you, when you see it, you know it. <laughs> so like, you know, and I know, and everyone kind of understand what, what does it mean to be Ukrainian, but it's very complicated. It's not verbally easy to explain it right now. And also, because again, Ukraine's pretty big country um, and we have a lot of um, ethnicities. So it's also kind of, uh, you know, um, I think it's kind of interesting thing. So at some point when our ex-president had this uh, phrase, uh, it was, I think, uh, uh, army, language and faith, as mm -hmm. we remember. And it was a very interesting that he didn't specify, which is very funny because in the same time, we have a lot of languages in Ukraine. So it's not only one language. It, we have a lot of like uh, a different religion in Ukraine. It's not only one religion. So I guess it's kind of also interesting uh, that we don't have a specified mm, meanings of what does it mean to be Ukrainian, what, what are values. So we can yeah. create it right, right now. So I think it's very cool. Yeah, and, and it's a strength, I, right? It's a strength that we have in in how we operate. Uh, it means different things to different people, but as you said, when we see it, we know it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I, I also think that part of the reason is uh, because Ukraine is emerging after centuries of colonial rule, and uh, part of the colonial um, toolkit is to try to erase of our identities as much as possible to rob our, of uh, our voices, to rob of our history, um, our legacy. That's why so many of us, you know, when we're coming out, uh, coming out as children, learning about our own country where we're born, where uh, we knew so little. And it always puzzled me, like this is a land where statehood existed 
you know, in the 7th and 6th and 8th century, and still we don't know so much about it. And that's why, Miriam, I love so work as well on social media. Uh, here's one of your Instagram posts uh, before me on why is there so little talk about Russian imperialism, colonialism. And you say that no, nowadays many countries confront and reflect on their aggressive colonial past and present, Britain, Spain, the United States and others. Russia is often not perceived as a colonial state, uh, state due to the location of Russian colonies. Indeed, usually the colonies are far from the metropolis. In the case of Russia, however, the colonies border ethnically uh, Russian lands. And then you also explain how Russian colonialism is basically the same sequence of events from uh, Russian Tsarist rule through Soviet rule, and it's basically changing the names, but remains in nature all the same. Can I ask you, because it's still very rare that people discuss what is happening in Ukraine and discuss Russian aggressive policies through colonial uh, colonialism lenses how you came about uh, yourself uh, and started seeing this uh, through uh, the same focus oh um i think okay so this is this story might be interested interesting i didn't i didn't talk about that actually so um the thing is that six months ago i wanted to do um like an experiment and typically I'm doing an experiment after that, I'm, I'm writing an article about that. So I'm Russian speaker Ukraine. Like I'm a Russian speaking Ukrainian of Afghani origin. And of course, right now I'm trying to speak mostly Ukrainian. But uh, this is completely true. Like most of the time I think in Russian, like it, this is the easiest way for me to describe what I feel and, and so on. So uh, I want to do experiment and after that I do write an article about it. So the idea of experiment was to listen to only Russian uh, channels and read only Russian literature and uh, use information only from Russian source for one month and make a diary about that for each day and, and have like, uh, and just see what, what, what I will feel in the end. I actually wrote the article, but I thought it would be too controversial, so I didn't publish it. Uh, and my idea was during, um, during listening to all of these Russian sources i decided that i want to have also something else uh, just you know keep me sane and i read some book of eva thompson um about specifically uh, colonialism in russia literature and i think it's very important because uh, again maybe i'm talking right now only from uh, from myself but for a lot of ukrainians and specifically when you study in the school you have this very strange feeling that ukrainian literature is not so great as russian literature and you have this uh, idea that Russian literature is so like um, important and uh, everyone knows who is Dostoevsky and so on and so on. Um, so for me, it was very interesting to, uh, while I'm listening to all of this Russian propaganda, at the same time, try to read some critical information about Russian um, uh, culture that actually had a big impact on us. Because again, all Ukrainians, we read Russian literature um, in Russian language. It wasn't like, uh, translate, translated. Um, books or something. Uh, so, and when I read Eva Thompson, I was just shocked uh, because it everything that um, again, you know, it was very vague. Like I, we, I had this strange feeling about towards Russia culture. I couldn't explain it, but everything that I felt and I thought and I observed it was exactly there. And actually, it was the same when I um, saw uh, Alina's video. Like everything that she was talking about, Eva Thompson also described. So I thought, like it's, it, I think it's very vital and very important book for, um, for Ukrainians right now. So if you're curious, I, I, I think. Oh, well, this is, this is fantastic. I, uh, folks, listen up. I think, uh, as a, as a someone who's trying to mainstream the talks about Russian colonialism for several years now, it's always been uh, the same kind of struggle for me to find sources and find good works because I'm, I'm i'm not an academic or researcher i'm just a journalist trying to connect the dots in uh, uh in the oldest russian colonialism stories and it's very hard to find any content because again russia works very well to erase that kind of evidence and erase even that kind of conversation because this is a last standing colonial empire that has been you know covering up their colonial crimes for so many centuries 
But uh, yeah, this is, um, I really love your work for that because this is very refreshing. And thank you so much for doing that and educating people and uh, pushing that also to the mainstream. Um, this is extremely important. Valeria, I noted that you also had a, a question to both of our featured Ukrainians. Yeah, um, yeah. It's actually a question we ask um, all of our guests because it's really important to ask this question from everyone's different perspective. And obviously today we're talking about culture, about cinema, about um, just in general Russian imperialism and things like that. So I wanted to ask both Alina and Mariam just um, what, in terms of media coverage of what's happening in Ukraine, what has happened in Ukraine in the past, what is like the one big myth that you want to counter or call out or make sure that people understand that it's not the way that the media has been reporting, uh, media outside of Ukraine has been reporting on that. Maybe Alina, you can start and then Mariam. Um, okay, so um, like, I don't wanna go, I don't wanna say the Nazi scene because it's like so overused and <laughs> And it was, and it's so forced. Uh, the most, like, the worst thing about uh, this trope is that it kind of stuck with the Western audience as it worked. Uh, they managed to convince, the, they really managed to convince a part of the Western audience, especially the have seen, you know, young people and a lot of young progressive kind of people uh, into this, like, uh, Nazi scene. But uh, if we kind of, like, uh, if I would change, like, would, would want to highlight one uh, scene in, like, in depiction of Ukraine, is that it seems that, you know, Ukrainian is a tiny, small country, you know, on the outskirts, who is uh, fighting against, uh, like, this big, man, uh, like, gigantic scene. Uh, I know why it works, because people like uh, a good David versus Goliath story, uh, you know, people, especially in, yeah. in the West, the way, uh, you know, the way Western culture, the way, like West, Western pop culture is constructed, the way it works, uh, like people love themselves a good underdog story, but also it kind of diminishes, uh, you know, the, the way how like big Ukraine are and how divorced Ukraine are and how much people uh, and peoples live here. So I really don't like this like scene about small tiny Ukraine with like small tiny army like with I don't know fucking swords or something who's standing against this like big 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 empire you know this kind of yeah. Star Wars uh, rebels versus the empire scene. Although Star Wars very speaks to me in this whole situation, uh, but. You're absolutely right. And I think one another important thing that this narrative, uh, David versus Goliath, is kind of helps many foreigners to feel better about their um, about their lack of action because they keep telling that, oh, Ukrainians will, you know, overcome, they will defeat, the empire will fall, and then it helps them to create this false sense of security an accomplishment that whatever has been done already been done and then the rest of the job is up to Ukrainians, which in fact, of course, we will win. But the question is how many of us will die? And if people do not do, we do not help the way we ask them to help, this count will be in millions because it has already happened to Ukraine before and we faced genocide and we faced um, similar conquests, and it didn't result in uh, it did result in many deaths. So sorry, this is just my comment. no, no, no. I absolutely agree. Very good point. Uh, if you look at Ukrainian history at large, you can spot a lot of like uh, uh, you know a lot a lot of like three hundred Spartans. Uh, you know, uh, you know one like one valiant last stand kind of stories, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of like light brigades. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Mariam, uh, what's, uh, what's your frustration? Like one thing that really, really irritates you in foreign coverage of Ukraine these days? 
so I guess it's actually the same as Alina said about nationalism. But in my case, I guess like, um, you know, I, as a person who was um, exposed to racism in Ukraine and out of Ukraine, um, for me, it's even like more irritating and more frustrating um, because um, I guess that in connection with the migration crisis in some Western countries, the problems of Ukraine uh, are viewed through the prism of today issues of Europe. And here I'm talking, of, uh, of course, about nationalism and racism in Ukraine. And um, this is an important thing because we actually have right uh, far-right groups, but there is another important thing that nobody kind of discussed. So, for example, um, ultra-right battalion Azov is often mentioned in the media. You can see a lot of um, articles about it, you know, Jazeera, CNN, and The Guardian, for example. Uh, so what is the date of uh, creation of Azov? It is 2014. And what is the date of Russia attack on Ukraine? It's actually 2014 also. So the current rise of um, uh, the Ukrainian nationalist movement is linked to Russia's expansive aggression. This is a very important thing. Like, of course, it's not explaining everything, but it definitely linked to Russia's expansive aggression. Um, also, um, I kind of always want to highlight how important is language, um, like Ukrainian language to Ukraine. It, um, it's not so frustrating as, as a topic of um, nationalism and racism, but I think it's important also to highlight that from the standpoint of, of culture, uh, Ukraine has been deprived of its uh, cultural heritage for centuries. Ukraine artists and writers were killed um, and they didn't have the opportunity to work, for example. So due to many features, the most critical aspect of Ukrainian culture is, is the language, um, and actually, which was subject to lingvocide. Um, so it's important that uh, the idea that we have two languages um, in Ukraine, it's not the legacy of, uh, of luck, it's legacy of Russian colonial policy. Because you can also see it a lot in um, Western media, how people um, try to explain the country, uh, the culture of Ukraine by creating this map that divides uh, that, you know, one part is like red and another part is, is blue, just to explain, okay, this part speaking Russian, this part speak Ukrainian, and this is, this is just a fact. So I guess this is kind of important. Um, so yeah, sorry, it's not one thing, it's two things. It's nationalism, the, the myth about great Ukrainian nationalists and um, the idea that Ukrainian language is the very important um, um, aspect of the culture. Yeah, well, you, you guys, you can share how many examples you would like. This is the platform for you to claim it and to use it the way you want it. Uh, Mary, can I ask you a quick follow-up? Because you mentioned the problem with nationalism and racism. And of course, this is, again, as much as you're comfortable to share. But what do you think is the biggest uh, misconception um, or myth when it comes to racism inside Ukraine? Because this is something that I also uh, face these conversations and questions all the time, especially from people who uh, say that this is this prevents them from supporting Ukraine because Ukraine is, uh, you know, like uh, somewhat racist or exclusively white or other uh, nonsense. But what do you think is like the biggest misconception could be there, especially from person who also faced racism uh, in Ukraine on some levels? Can you, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing? It's interesting because again, publicly, I never talked about that, but um... I think we need to be honest here, and as Ukrainians also, do we have res racism in Ukraine? Yes. Is it bigger racism than in other, any other countries in Europe? No, for sure. You can see it from the election, for example, that um, Ukrainian kind of right party had only 2% um, votes in 2018. Like it's not, it's not a very big issue, and again, I'm trying to explain that from my side, a person who kind of actually had a big problem with, with racism in Ukraine. And of course, it wasn't very pleasant. The, the thing is that I had um, experienced, like I lived in US and I lived in Europe, in different countries. And to be honest, um, the racism in Ukraine and racism in Western countries are very different racism. Again, right, right now, I'm trying to um, put all of my emotion in kind of words, but it's a little bit difficult. So in, in US, for example, or in Europe, I always felt like 
um, racism had more structure into society, like in the institutions. Ukrainian racism was a little bit different. It's more like uh, it was more like not understanding who is this person who doesn't look like me, or why you have different. I don't know. Um, um, it's hard to say. I don't know. Uh, tradition in your family or something like that. So it wasn't like, like for me, the, this is the biggest different um, difference that um, Ukrainian racism is not so um, linked to the institutions like in Europe. But, uh, and again, I think it's also important. I had some issues, uh, you know, through all my life and I spent a lot of time in Kiev. I born in this city. So I can say you for sure the amount of far right um, organization or like the, the, the feeling of the threat that I had in past and, and, and today, it's very different. Like I actually had a lot of not pleasant times in, in past in 2000s, for example. Also, I can say that about my brothers and my father. Um, but right now, like it's, there was not, no issues. And uh, uh, yeah, so I also did this experiment when I was wearing um, hijab for one week in Kyiv and uh, try to feel what actually people, like how people will react and how society is actually ready for these kind of changes. And uh, I wrote an article about that, that actually people were very pleasant and very nice. So sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. I, I had I had even this feeling that maybe um, it's actually also my prejudice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but again, this part is like very, like, sorry that it's not very structured because, you know, again, there is a lot of emotions in this topic. But no, no, this yeah. is this is amazing. And I thank you so much for sharing. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, totally uh, another conversation um, as well. And I'm not the person to talk about racism because although I have some Roma um, roots, but I, you know, I totally pass as white. But um, I also kind of encourage people to think about racism uh, when it comes to Eastern Europe within the uh, critical racial theory as well, that, you know, when Eastern Europeans say that they know what racism is because they're treated as second class um, white people uh, by the West, by America, by so many people, by even Russians who installed a specific, you know, racial-like kind of uh, structure within the colonial rule that would treat Ukrainians as second class for centuries. Um, you know, as a person who lived in Moscow also faced all this nasty shit about, you know, being hohol and, you know, and if, if I don't shave, being hajj. So this is like, yeah, this is something that we know what we're talking about, even if it does not really fit the conversation in the West. Um, yeah. Um, Valeria, I think... Uh, we wanted to, to ask also Alina uh, and Mariam about their social uh, media kind of uh, presence yeah. uh, because we need to wrap it up. Can yeah. I ask Alina first and you ask Mariam? For sure, go ahead. Alina, um, we talked about your YouTube a bit, but uh, um, you know, since you review a lot of stuff and put culture in context. Is there something in terms of Ukrainian culture, focus on Ukrainian culture that you think is not amplified, is not featured out there for foreign audience to know, um, you know, something that really fascinates you these days? Um, maybe it's related to colonialism or not, but maybe something uh, really that you would like others to explore and educate themselves uh okay so as a film critic <laughs> i i mean obviously i say ukrainian film uh, because uh, you know ukrainian film is not like Ukrainian cinema is not like the most obscure shit uh, if you're a cinephile because you probably know Dovzhenko or you know some of Parachano but like Farjano doesn't really read as Ukrainian for many Western cinephile, but that's fine. Uh, you know, Farjano is one of those Ukrainians, uh, just like you said, you know, Ukrainian by by, by choice, Ukrainian by, by, by values. Uh, Ukrainian by the fact that we kind of like accepted him in our big Ukrainians and, and decided that he, he was our guy. Uh, yeah. 
but we do have uh, a lot of like wonderful you know ukrainian films that uh might be interesting for foreign audiences and i do hope that uh you know even under such unfortunate circumstances maybe the recent event uh, would encourage uh the platforms like criterion and others to pick up more ukrainian films and showcase them for western audiences with uh, with english subtitles and stuff also the f- this kind of niche this is very niche but uh, i've been working uh, on a series of videos about uh, you know the history of ukrainian theater and uh, you know the way ukrainian theater kind of and film kind of uh, worked with shakespeare because uh, march was uh, well, March kind of like uh, the, the official Shakespeare month, and so on my channel it was meant to be all about you know theater of theater. But my life is not about is now you know theater of action, theater of war, as it's called. Uh, yeah, so that's unfortunate. Uh, and uh, looking up, you know, Ukrainian uh, like Ukrainian theater. Uh, there's like there's some really fascinating stuff uh, to be found there, and uh, you know Ukrainian early modern theater, and also like even and just modern theater. The theater Ukrainians are doing today is like very fascinating. Uh, so yeah, ch- yeah, like check it out. I don't have you know many like concrete recommendations mm-hmm. uh for you i i would like uh, check check out what uh ivana frankivsk drama theater is doing now they are like i am so jealous of all people you know who evacuated to ivana frankivsk and can go uh, to their wonderful productions that they hold in their basement uh in the bomb shelter like it's just amazing just google just youtube it google is on youtube whatever whatever <laughs> and, uh, yeah and also what uh some stuff that uh Zhitomer theater does and especially their production of v by Mikola Gogol, uh, nikolai gogol which is like a very wonderful uh like a very kind of like interesting figure in uh both Russian and Ukrainian cultures and kind of like uh, but it's like I'm, I'm not gonna like talk about it but he's like uh, both Russian and Ukrainian and it's kind of been like controversial uh, yeah it's, it's kind of will, will, you know uh, how do you call that game when uh, you know one side tries to snatch uh, a rope from the other <laughs> yeah you know yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so we've been kind of like tagging them, tagging him in different directions. So that's fun. Uh, yeah, and their production of V is just wonderful. And uh, uh, if we go in like film, which is my specialty or whatever, uh, I really kind of like for English speaking audiences, this is uh, for cinephiles in the Ukraine, in like English speaking cinephiles, check out Canadian, Ukrainian Canadian uh, films. If you if you can find them, check out them. They are very interesting. You know, it's it's just it's very it's a very unique uh, kind of uh, you, you know Ukrainian exploitation. I do want to one day to make a video about them. Thank you so much, Alina. I think I'm gonna go after this. You've given me loads of ideas of, of how to uh, enrich my understanding and knowledge of Ukrainian culture. So thank you so much for that. And finally, last question. I know that uh, many of us have to go. We only said we would do this for an hour, but I, as I said before, I I sort of was introduced to Mariam's work through Instagram and her post that went viral um was around russian imperialism so before we finish i wanted to ask you mariam if that's okay um so why does russian imperialism need ukraine oh uh okay um so it seems like geographical expansion is vital for the russian regime now um however such trends have been always uh, it's typical for all your empires um and as far as but to be honest, it also concerns neighboring countries, ethnic, ethnic groups next to Russia and in Russia. Because, for example, most people think about Russian people as a uh, just, you know, like average 
um, Caucasian person, which is not true. There is a lot of different ethnic groups, but nobody they are, are erased uh, by image of a Russian specific Russian person. Um, as far as Ukraine is concerned, the narrative of rebelliousness uh, plus a large territory of Ukraine, um, it always constantly has undermined Russia's self-image. You know, like Ukraine has always been that boy in fairy tale who shouted, the king is naked. And uh, Russia didn't like it then and didn't like it and didn't, doesn't like it now. So I think it's one of the like important things that um, Ukraine constantly undermined Russia's self-image. This is the reason why you, well, Russia needs Ukraine right now so much. That is so powerful. And I hope Thank everyone you. remembers your words as well. And both of you, it's been really great to have you. Um, this has been amazing. And I hope for everyone who's listening to us right now, these two amazing women have uh, basically shown you that there are amazing young people who speak amazing English, who have a lot of knowledge and information that you should get your information from, your sources from. And, uh, you know, we Ukrainians um, have a lot to share and a lot to say. And we just hope that you follow us and, and listen to us. And please follow both Mariam and um, Alina um, on their respective social media platforms where they continue to do their work. Um, but I'll pass over to Maxim for final words. I, I don't have any final words. I mean, like, I'm so so thankful uh, because uh, you're absolutely right uh, i love what you guys do but i also love how um how fresh your perspective i mean i consider myself in eastern european age i'm in mid-30s i'm like already almost near my retirement age but i just remember how boring and how uh, unimaginative and how horribly um, misplaced conversations about Ukraine have always been in the abroad in the West. And thanks to voices like yourself, we're trying to change it and bring reality and freshness and uh, to center them in within Ukrainian voice. So thank you. Guys, thank you so much once again. Thank you both Mariam and Alina. Thank you so much. Slava Ukraini. Thank you, thank you for having us.